go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. This is where we're going to be. We're going to be in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to wrap up this morning our time together considering, uh, considering money. And really, honestly, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, this has gone uh, in, in maybe a direction that's a little confusing, but, but, but we're going to keep, keep trucking along with this because I think it's really important that we think through what, uh, what it is that money is reflecting. Remember, if you remember at the outset, we talked about money as being a, a reflector of our heart. And so we as a people look at, together we look at um, ourselves and we make an evaluation about how we spend money. When Jesus talks about money, when we looked at the first week we talked about this, when he talks about money in Matthew chapter 6, he says, um, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so immediately we begin to think, well, how I use my money, how I use the resources that God has given me, um, are, is a, a direct indicator of where my heart is at. And so we've kind of gone through this, we've talked about shrewdness, we've talked about stewarding our resources. Well, last time we actually talked about time, um, because, because that is a, a, also a finite resource that God has given us in order that we might use it, but we might steward it well um, for God's glory. Um, and this, this morning we're going to talk about mission, um, because I think that this is another thing that God has given to us, granted to us in our identity, so we've kind of scaled back a little bit, and I hope to sort of begin to paint this picture for you, that you see all of these things tied together. We live in a world where we typically compartmentalize pretty significantly. We live in a world where we look at our what, what we have and we segment it out a lot. And yet when we read the Bible, we see that in a lot of instances, that's just not the case. God is calling us to submit everything that we have under to his lordship, and everything that we are doing or acting on or um, thinking about needs to come under his purview. And so as I thought about this, even as we were reading Psalm 96 this morning and thinking about where, where the psalmist actually commands the, 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 the singer, the, the worshiper, to ascribe to the Lord glory, I wonder if we think about what that means for us. Because when we think about ascribing the Lord glory, I think we think about a verbal proclamation. And while that's definitely part of what it means to ascribe the Lord glory, um, what I think that the psalmist is getting at there is something far deeper and something far more profound than just that. And so when we think about uh, what it means to ascribe the Lord glory, we need to begin to reorient our thinking about away from things that we say. It's really simple and easy to say, oh yeah, glory be to God, or something along those lines. But we're shifting our, our understanding and our idea away from that to what God is doing in us and what he has created us for. So we've said this a lot, and because this is incredibly relevant to almost everything that we're going to talk about, um, this morning and every, every Sunday morning and everything that we do, every moment of every single day, we were created for a purpose. That purpose was to bring God glory and to enjoy Him. And what does that look like? It looks like joyfully submitting to everything that He has commanded us to do in Scripture. And so when we look at money, for instance, and He says, and He says to us uh, to consider what it means to store up or to invest in things in heaven, things that are eternal, things that are not earthly, things that are not going to uh, be, be taken from us, that are not going to be stolen, 
What he's saying is, think about how you can bring me glory with your money because that is what I created you for. The same with our time. When we, we talked about this a lot last week, when we sit down and we consider what it means that we as a people um, steward our time well, what are we doing in our lives to think about how we are bringing God glory with the way that we use our time? And if we're joyfully submitting, like Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5 that we looked at last week, when he says to make the best use of time, and then goes down the list and says, hey, you know what? Address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What he's saying is, address one another as worshipers. Address one another as those who have understood the impact that the gospel has on your life. The good news of Jesus Christ has redeemed you. It has restored you. It has made you new. And now, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? It means that you go out and you proclaim that truth. And so that brings us to this morning where we're going to consider mission. So look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are there's one there. You can fight over it. Um, or just pull it up on your phone. So we're going to look this morning then at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is actually the second time I've preached on that, which seems a little ridiculous because because we've only been doing this for a little over a year. But um, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We talked about this when we, when we looked at our core values, and I think I just want to come at it from a different angle this morning and consider what it has to say to us this morning. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 16 and read through verse 21. That's the end of the chapter. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ, making, or God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so we look at this text. This is somewhat of a familiar text to us, I think. Um, but we need to consider some things that are contained here. Um, so let's back up a little bit. This is week six, right? Week six of this study. Week six of our time together. The last few weeks have given you just a summary statement of what we've talked about up until here. So I want to do that again before we dive in and focus here. So again, we've been talking about money. We've been talking about being good stewards. We've been talking about using our time and what God has given us as a resource well. And so what we need to do is think about how these, all, these things all interlock together. So here's the statement. How you use time and money indicates the position of your heart by shrewdly working out the truth of the gospel in faithful management and generosity. How you use time and money indicates the position of your heart by shrewdly working out the truth of the gospel in faithful management and generosity. And if you've heard, you've been with us, and you've, that, that should all begin to kind of make sense. It should come together and click a little bit as we think through this. 
So when we get then to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we start thinking about what God, what God has entrusted with us, one, our resources, our financial resources, two, our time, both finite resources, but he's given us then something even further than this. As the people of God, he has given us, he has granted us an identity as his ambassadors um, and the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. So let's think then about this. First, I want to give you, again, like we typically do, I want to give you the big idea this morning, and it's this. As Christ's ambassadors, we are entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, a message that a God is restoring us to right relationship with him. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. We see that here in this text. But let's see how we get there. So, so look at verse 16 with me. Let's, let's start there. There's some observations first, and then we'll dive in and, and consider some implications of, of this text, particularly as it relates to our money and our time and the resources that God has given us. So first of all, then look at verse 16. Look at what Paul writes to this church in Corinth. Okay, so back up, rewind, think about Corinth What's going on with the Corinthians? So this is not in my notes. I'm going to give this to you. This is free. Here we go. The Corinthians struggled mightily with authority. They had an authority problem. They did not understand why Paul could show up and give them, speak to them, the words that he spoke to them. They, they thought of Paul in sort of a way, they thought to themselves, here's a guy who writes us these really strongly worded letters. I don't know if you've ever drafted a letter and sent it to someone because you're angry at them, like, you know, like, my food was cold and your establishment is terrible and the service was really bad, I hope, but, yeah, whatever, whatever you might, wherever you might go from there. But, so, like, Paul writes these letters. This is 2 Corinthians in our Bible, but it's actually the fourth letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians. And he writes it to them, and they have this authority problem. And for the mo most of this book so far, 2 Corinthians, Paul has been, Paul has been arguing his authority. He's been saying, hey, I'm a small, feel, feeble, frail, I, I mixed those two up. Um, feeble, frail person, and I show up, and my words are strong, but the way that I present myself is weak. It is small. It is broken. He probably had some physical deformity. He probably had, was in some kind of state that made them look at him and say, "What are, what, what are you? What, who is this guy? Why does he have authority?" On the flip side, there were these guys who, who showed up and who were actually preaching false gospels to them. They looked good. They looked externally. They looked really, really good. And so there's this combat then in their minds that's going on between, between one, these guys who show up and speak really eloquently and look really good, and these guy, this other guy who shows up and says something different, and he looks really weak and really frail. And so when we get to chapter 5, he's been arguing this for quite some time now. And when we look at verse 16, it all kind of starts to click, right? Therefore, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is exactly what the Corinthians were doing. They were regarding him according to the flesh. And so he wants to put that to rest. He wants to put that to bed right here. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
So he says, regarding no one according to the flesh. And so if we've, if we've been thinking about together, if we've been thinking about money, and we've been thinking about eternal heavenly realities, when we say we invest in heavenly things, we've thought about our spouse or our kids or our neighbors or our coworkers. We're thinking about people. We invest in people because their soul is eternal. We don't necessarily invest in things here on earth because we're getting further and further away from this material, but we will spend eternity with God in heaven. And we proclaim the truth of the gospel to the people in our life as often as we can, believer or unbeliever. We all need to hear the gospel regularly. And so we are, like we talked about last week when we thought about our time, we are not self-oriented people, but we are, we are others-oriented people. If we do not regard others according to the flesh, like Paul says here in verse 16, we will certainly not remain self-oriented. If we do regard others according to the flesh, like Paul says here in verse 16, if we do regard them according to the flesh, then we will freely gossip about others. We will seek to advance our careers by stepping on people. We will yell at them when they cut us off on tra in traffic or when they drive in the left lane down the interstate. Is that... <laughs> really gets me. <laughs> If we see others as having a soul that is eternal, every single person created in the image of God has a soul that will live forever. We will not regard others according to the flesh. And Paul cites Jesus here as an example, right? Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Paul, before his conversion, right, he was Saul. He had an encounter with Jesus. And, and he changed his name to Paul, but before that he saw, he saw Jesus as a false messiah. This guy who showed up and started proclaiming things, saying that he was God, and he was a false messiah. The people that, he, that followed him immediately after his death, burial, and resurrection, and then ascension, Paul hunted down and killed. That was part of who Paul was. He was a, 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 a pretty significant persecutor of Christian, uh, Christian thought early on. But upon his conversion, Paul then says, we regard Christ no longer according to the flesh because he is eternally reigning at the Father's right hand because of his death, burial, and resurrection and what he accomplished in it. And he ascended into heaven and is now reigning at the Father's right hand. So no longer do we regard Christ according to the flesh. And then, if we look then in verse 17, we see another therefore. So based on what I just said, Paul is saying, consider what I have to say now. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. No longer does the individual regard others according to the flesh. If you are a new creation, you understand. You understand now that, that uh, God has done this for you, and therefore um, he wants to do it for all. And this is a gift, right? This is given to us in gift Language, verse 18, all from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this from God. This is gift language. We didn't seize this for ourselves. This was not something that was 
mustered by our own volition. All of this is from God. We are a new creation. It does not matter how hard you try, you are incapable of this. You are incapable of refreshing and renewing yourself. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then what? This ministry of reconciliation, this is mission. Let's break that down. We're going to break that down together this morning. Because we hear that word and we think to ourselves, oh, what? What are you talking about? This is mission. God reconciling the world to himself. Again, in verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Not counting trespasses against them, and then granting us, giving us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that word, entrusting. That's a word that we've used a lot as we've considered money, as we've considered time. We've been entrusted with this. This is a gift. It is a thing to be stewarded. It is a thing to be cared for. It is a thing to exercise dominion over, like in the garden in Genesis chapter 1. He is giving us this ministry, this message of reconciliation. And when we think about reconciliation, sometimes it's hard. It's actually a financial term which sort of fits this really, really great. Um, just simply this, restoring right relationship, right? Restoring one's account to the right level where it needs to be. Restoring right relationship. We are now witnesses of God's work in Jesus that restores us to right relationship with God. A previously broken relationship, a relationship that was broken in the garden when Adam sinned and he said, no, 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 God, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be self-oriented. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself before, uh, before you. I'm going to no longer joyfully submit and bring you glory through joyful submission, but what I'm going to do is put myself first. Um, at that moment, relationship was broken with God, and in Christ Jesus, that is restored. And since God has given us this gift, this reconciliation through Christ, since God has given us this gift, Paul says that God has been making his appeal through us. And consider then that in this text, I don't think that we ever see ever see the word um, you in the singular. I don't think we ever see the word you in the singular, and I could be wrong, but I'm looking at it now and I don't see one. I see we, I see us. I see you, plural. And so all of a sudden this becomes, becomes a corporate thing that he's writing and not an individualistic one. Since God has given us this gift, Paul says, he is making his appeal through us. And so this is the mission then that we've been given. This is the mission that as God's people we have been given. God is making his appeal to the world through us. So us as a body fixed here, however many of us are here this morning, however many of us called Buffalo City Church home, God is making his appeal to Jamestown, North Dakota in 2016, almost 2017, through us. Through us together. So we implore others, right? 
This is the language that Paul uses in verse 20. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore others on behalf of Christ our King to be reconciled to God. And this is our ambassadorship, that our identity. Therefore, if we look at the beginning of verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us as his ambassadors. We are God's ambassadors. So it's part of your identity. This is, this is the shift that we need to make in our own minds. It's no longer what we do. It's who we are. It's no longer what we do. It's who we are. You're an ambassador. If you trust in Christ, you're an ambassador from a faraway land. This is not your home. This is not your home. God has shifted your identity away from old to new, away from dead to alive, away from earthly oriented to heavenly oriented, away from oriented in the here and now to oriented in the eternal. So I hope, I, I hope you hear then, if you've been with us, I hope that you hear then what, how this connects, how this begins to, to work together, the parallels between this passage and the things that we've been thinking about regarding money. So let's think about the implications then of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. The first then, if we're considering ourselves as Christ's ambassadors, and that is our identity, that is who we are, then the first thing that we need to consider is that which we've been given, our time and our money and whatever other resources we've been given is like our earthly per diem. Okay? If you have a job where you travel, you get per diem. You get, you get a little cash to spend on lunch and dinner and, and whatever, whatever it is. So if we're ambassadors and we've been given the timeline like we've talked about here on earth, there is a distinct beginning where... The, there, since we have a lot of children, there's obviously a distinct beginning, right? And then there is a distinct end. 75-ish trips around the sun is what we get. And when we come to the end of that, and when we breathe our last, um, then we will be looked at and evaluated based on what? Based on those 75 trips around the sun. And we've been given these finances to accomplish this mission. Not to, not to center them around ourselves, not to put ourselves first, but to, but to begin to rally around the mission that God has given to us as the ministry, the message of reconciliation. God is then making his appeal through us. This is, again, not a task, but an identity. For our identity is that we'll look at what we have and see that we have a per diem enough that is given for us today to live, and then the rest is, uh, is meant to be given to us to accomplish the mission that God has given to us. So God says, here are resources. Use them to bring me glory. You are created to bring me glory. I have restored that purpose in you, and now carry it out. Carry out what I have created you for by being my ambassadors. Okay. So we think about that, we think about then what we, we've been given, and we begin to reorient again, reorient our thinking away from what I have is given to me, for me to use, for my purposes, but 
what I have been given is given to me that I might uh, that I might accomplish the mission that God has given to me. Okay. And so then the second implication coming out of that is this: the local church exists to carry mission, carry out mission here on earth. The local church exists to carry out mission here on earth. And we've said this, the church is the means by which God is accomplishing or carrying out what he intends uh, for his purposes to be here on earth. That is why the church was inaugurated. That is why Jesus put forth, set forth his church and empowered her through the power of his spirit. Um, that is why he did it. It wasn't so that we could get together and hang out on Sunday mornings and a couple times throughout the course of the week. That's not why he did it. We did it so that we could carry out the mission that he gave to us here on earth. So when Paul says God is making his appeal through us, again, he doesn't say that he's making his appeal through each of us individually, through us, we collectively are Christ's ambassadors, but that's not an individual pursuit. And then we begin to rally around the mission, right? If we together see ourselves as having a common identity in Jesus, a common identity as Christ's ambassador, then we will begin to rally around the mission. This is important, right? Because, again, not an individual activity, it's a corporate identity. Um, and, and here's where things begin to get muddy and have been muddy for the entire history of the church, right? The church has structures. The church is organized. The church is a group of people who do things. We, there's organization that goes into corporate worship. There's organization that goes into the church. That, that is what needs to happen. And sure, there are decisions to be made and budgets to be put together. We're going to be thinking about our budget here in just the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be um, doing these organizational things in order that we might then create space so that we can rally around the mission. And as we've discussed membership together, if you've been with us, we've discussed membership. A lot of questions that I get um, directed towards me are related to the structures and the organization of the church. Those are fine. It's good. We have to understand how we're organizing ourselves. But one thing I have never gotten is a question that says, how are we rallying around our mission? And what I'm not saying is come up to me and ask me that question to, to fulfill that. But, but what I am saying is that our minds as individuals, as people, go to the external, they go to the finite, they go to the earthly, and they, they move away from the, the, the infinite, the eternal, and the heavenly. And then this comes back to our identity issue. We drift towards identifying more with the external organizational institutional structure, which exists, but is not an end. We meet in the Civic Center, right? I mean, first question, anyone's like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Where do you meet? Bam. Like, first, first thing, every single time, every single time I talk to somebody in the community, where you guys meet? We have a name. It's Buffalo City Church. Great. Et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. And so, when we, we start, okay, so here, this is the warning, though. Here comes the warning. Maybe that was a warning, too, but here's another one. 
So the church is doing this thing in 2016 in America that's moving a little bit away from the emphasis on the organized and the structure, right? And, and, if, you, and if you're sort of in touch with the way that, that things are going and the way that things are developing, um, we sort of hear this, right? We, we sort of silently say amen when we talk about not being institutionally organized or organizationally oriented. But the anti-organizational, the anti-structural is equally as dangerous for us. Why? Um, because, uh, because we as a people it, are still then focused on the external. We're still then focused on the organizational. It's just on the flip side. It's just like, well, we're just free flowing. We're just doing whatever. We just come over and hang out and eat food, whatever it is that we do. But, but we're quickly replacing our structural organizational uh, identity with one that's anti-organizational and anti-structural. And that's not what Paul wants us to do here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He wants us to see our identity as ambassadors of Christ. And so then, rather than looking at how we organize ourselves or don't organize ourselves, we think to ourselves, how do we rally around the mission? Either way, we might be a bit too self-righteous about being different, cutting across the grains of conventional church that's not what we want to do. We want to rally around the mission. We don't, want to be pre we don't want to be reactive to what the culture has told us and say to ourselves, man, church really sucks over there, but it's cool over here. That's not what we want to do. What we want to do is think about the fact that our identity first is in Christ and what does it mean to proactively submit to all that God has commanded to us in Scripture. So, do I identify first as Christ's ambassadors? that have been given a specific mission, like given to us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or in Matthew chapter 28, 18-20. Far too often, this is why people, if we think about this in the context of, of our, our study together on money and time, far too often, if that is not the first thing that we think about, this is why we are, people in general, are withholding with their time and their money when it comes to, to the local church. Because for some of us in this room, this is a social club. This is a Sunday morning event. This is a place that we come. It is a vending machine, or it is uh, a way to be accepted by culture. And if any of those are your first priority, then you won't believe that your treasure is in heaven. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. You won't be generous. You won't steward what you've been given well. You won't shrewdly work towards eternity. You'll live for yourself. You'll be self-oriented, not others-oriented. It's just the fact of the matter. Because you've shirked your responsibility, you've shirked the identity that God has given to you in Jesus Christ as his ambassador. Okay, so quickly then. The second implication is that the local church exists to carry out the mission here on earth. The mission requires time. The mission requires financing. The mission requires us together understanding that our identity is as Christ's ambassadors first. Okay. Finally, this morning, then, the last implication that I have for you coming out of this text is this. Mission is not meant to be outsourced. We sort of talked about this idea of outsourcing a couple of times now, and I think that it's good to continue to keep that on. The front. If we see that our identity is as Christ's ambassador first, 
If we see that our identity is in Christ ambassadors first, we will be less likely to outsource the mission of the local church. But the church does this all of the time. Paul writes to the local church here in Corinthians, in, in 2 Corinthians, and says to them, Hey guys, you're a new creation, so go ahead and carry out that new identity. What he doesn't say is, hey guys, look at what has been granted to you in Jesus Christ. Um, you have been given a new identity as a new creation, as Christ's ambassador. So go ahead and find other people to live that out for you. To take care of that for you. Again, we've talked about the kids aspect, right? We tend to outsource the discipleship of our children. <coughs> Or, um, or there's a college in our community. We just look to external organizations and say, hey, those guys are doing a great job. Or for your coworkers to say, oh, somebody has a Bible study here that's good enough. Whatever it is. We can't outsource our identity. And the church is constantly trying to do it. Why are we trying to outsource our identity? This is the only example I can think of. I don't know why my mind went here, but, but here it is. A cat can't look at another cat, and a can't, cat can't look at a gerbil. I don't know why a gerbil. And tell the, that other cat or that other gerbil to take care of his own being a cat for that day. I have a lot of what's. A cat can't look at a gerbil and say, take care of my being a cat for today. Can't say, oh yeah, I don't really want to be a cat. I don't really want to cat today. So when I'm a verb, that's a verb. I don't really want to cat today. So just go ahead and take care of that for me. Go ahead and take care of being a cat for me today. Go ahead and chase some mice. Or chase a laser pointer. Or... Become an internet meme or sensation. It's not possible if you are a cat, you have to cat. You have to. It's your identity. It is your identity as a cat to do cat things. So if we are in Christ, if we are a new creation, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We are in Christ, if we are a new creation, if we are Christ's ambassador, and that is our identity, why is it that we together corporately are outsourcing these things to others? Cats don't outsource their catting. Christ's ambassadors don't outsource their ambassadorship. So our final understanding is this. If the local church is going to carry out the mission to make disciples of Jesus, like Jesus outlines in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then together we need to shrewdly steward our time and money. And this is where we're going to end our thoughts related to time and money. And again, we stand as those who don't get this perfectly, right? If the mission of Buffalo City Church is directly uh, taken from the, the, the command in Matthew chapter 28, 18-20 to go make disciples and to re be, be those who are making disciples. So we exist to make disciples who make disciples. If we are Christ's ambassadors and that's our identity, that doesn't get to get outsourced. 
If, the, if we are created to bring God glory in the expression of that is joyful submission to all that he commands to us, then when we look at our resources, when we look at our money, when we look at our time, we will not continue to say, mine. We will continue to say, no, how is it that I can use this to bring, God's, bring God glory by, based on what I was created for? Guys, there is simply no way that we don't understand what our purpose is as people. We wring our hands, and I've said this a bunch, we wring our hands and we labor over what is our purpose in this world and what is the will of God for me. It is to joyfully submit to all that he commands us. It is to bring him glory by demonstrating our love to him, by understanding our commands. This is so countercultural. It is such a trigger word to hear the word submit. And yet for the Christian, there is nothing more joyful. I'm not telling you not to use your brain. I'm not telling you to just blindly walk into this and say, oh, okay, yeah, and then just do it all. That's not what the Christian life is about because we are created to joyfully, and one of the commands that God gives us is that to, to, to know him, right? To know him. This is an intellectual and a heart pursuit together, right? And so we as people are commanded to know God and to cause others to or to, uh, uh, to, 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 to be Christ's ambassadors so that others might know him also. And again, we stand, so as we've finished up each of these conversations each week, we stand as those who don't get this perfectly and never will. We stand as finite creatures who, who were created for a purpose, who had that broken, who had it restored, but we still, the side of new creation, although we are a new creation still, and have it this flesh that says, I don't want to do this, I want to be self oriented. There's a great tension that exists here. But as we look at this, and as we look at the fact that we consistently fail as uh, together, corporately, to bring God glory by being his ambassadors, we look to the one who did this perfectly. The God-man Jesus Christ. Next week we move into Advent, right? We're going to start to think about, can you believe that? We're going to move to Advent. Start to think about Jesus who came to earth, who lived this life that was perfect. He came to earth for this purpose, his purpose to bring God glory by joyfully submitting that all that God had laid out for him by restoring the relationship that was broken with us to God. So our purpose is clearly outlined for us in Scripture. Our identity has been given to us, but we are imperfect. Jesus was perfect. He fulfilled his purpose perfectly, and he came to set God's people apart, and he accomplished that perfectly. So the results of the work of imperfect people here together Despite the fact that God has given us a new identity and has called us a new creation, the results of our efforts together will be perfect. So we look to the perfect one who looked at his purpose, who saw his mission, and who accomplished it perfectly. We trust him. We don't trust our striving. We trust that in him, we together 
I've been granted a new identity in Jesus. And so therefore we use all that we have in order to accomplish what he has given to us joyfully We seek to know him. We call others to know him also. And through that, we fulfill our purpose as Christ's ambassadors. Let's pray.